Hello everyone, this is JPL back for another Counselor of the Podcast name in the brackets. And today, we, I'm joined with... Matthew. And Tilla. Woo! And today we'll be um, discussing our top five animated movies. And this includes any uh, web, web series. <laughs> TV shows. TV shows. Sorry, guys. Yeah. 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 Woo! All right. All right. So number five. Uh, how how this thing is organized is that we go through number five, go through number four, three, two, and then uh, if you're still in kindergarten one, um, then we will probably do some honorable mentions. <laughs> anyway, so my number five is Gravity Falls. A very fun show. Um, lo- uh, love how well animated it is. Very smart humor. Um, love the dynamics between um, the siblings. Um, good mysteries. Um, yeah. Good acting. I- I've heard good things about Gravity Falls. It's on. It- it's another thing that's on my list to watch, but uh, haven't started yet. Yeah. Though I have a feeling Speedy's gonna make me at some point. So. I will reserve my comments for a later date or moment. All right. So if I could say anything about about this thing more, um, two seasons, very short. Um, I do feel like it is good to be really short, um, especially if if it drags on. It's like, oh, okay, it's dragging on. But they have an end, unless they're continuing on for the different show. I don't know, but. The fact is, at this point, there is an end, and it's good. Yeah. Um, again, I will comment on that later. My number five show is Archer, which is basically James Bond and The Office mixed together, and then just a whole bunch of ridiculous added in for good measure. Um, yeah, there's... It's really funny, just like the dynamics. It's basically an office show, but with spies. And sort of all of the politics and the drama and the characters, and they all work together to create this really great show that a lot of fun. There's a lot of inside jokes, and it's... Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun if you have the time and the inclination. It is also very mature, Mm-hmm. But very good. I've only seen the intro. Yes, the intro is also. It, the intro well is done. actually really catchy. Yeah. I've only seen pictures. It's not my favorite animation style. No. But that's the only thing I can really comment on. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of long. I think they're on season eight now. But it's very episodic for the most part. So it's easy. You can watch an episode or two and then go on with your life. And, yeah, I mean, I I think the animation is pretty good. Again, the style might not be the greatest, but just, like, the fluidity of it and the expressions of the characters, it's very, very well made. Cool. All right. Um, My fifth favorite uh, animated show would be Ben 10. Oh, okay. Um, Specifically, um... The first season, I think, is what I like the most, even though the following seasons kind of follow a more... less episodic, more overarching narrative. 
I really like the original. I think probably most of it's nostalgia, but yeah, I like the concept of a kid getting pretty much, um, well, not I. I was gonna say unlimited, but it's pretty limited. Superpowers yeah. um, with the Omnitrix, which is uh, the one object in the universe that allows a person to change into any other life form. Um, at the beginning, it's limited to 10, but they get more, or they change out some as they go. Um, it's just a very interesting story. I like how they um, weave both sci-fi and forms of magic into it. Yeah. It's very much a superhero show, but it isn't... It, it's self-aware that it's a superhero show, and it's not really Marvel or DC. It's its own thing, and it's not really competing to have a whole league of superheroes. It's kind of just like, hey, there's this kid, and these uh, weird things start happening, so he's using this weird thing that happened to him to help that. So, just something I really liked, especially yeah. as a kid. Yeah, that show, that was the hype when you were a kid, you know. Especially where I was, um, there was just a bunch of kids who were like, Oh, Ben 10, yeah, I got this action figure. How about you? I'm like, oh, I got this thing from McDonald's. Oh, good for you. And so, yeah, it was one of the biggest things you can have back then. Um, I recently rewatched the entire series, and um, there's a lot of very cliched jokes and stories, but that's expected for a show meant for boys. Yeah, um, I haven't watched it recently, and when I did watch it, I watched, like, three or four episodes, but, yeah, I mean, the concept is very unique and original, and, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed what I saw of it. I don't really have any comments on any of it, because I haven't seen it in a while, but, yeah. Yeah, it, it does follow the, a similar plot structure to most superhero animated TV shows, though. I will say, like, it has the um, iconic, hey, you're trapped with your nemesis in this arena in space that you have to fight through. That happens in, like, every animated superhero also, show. It also, um, like, one of those, the characters from your comic book turn out to be real. Yeah, one of those episodes exists. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's, you know, it's fun. I think that's the biggest part about it. It's not really meant to be... A huge plot thing. It's just no, it's meant to be fun. got some fun to it. Um, okay, number four. My number four is a very fantastic show called A uh, Young Justice. Um, I remember I started watching this show as soon as it came out. I was there at the beginning. Um, for through half, I was there from the beginning until the ha sec halfway through the second season, and then I kind of didn't have the means to watch it but once I did it was I really loved what I saw you know great story great interaction between with between the kids um the action's pretty good too and um oh Wally yeah Wally West you know just having the sidekicks for once be the main characters and yeah do the do them justice um <laughs> it was very, uh. <laughs> very good yeah, I, I'll comment on this later. Um, but, yeah, I think for me, myself, I've always related to the sidekicks 
um, more than I have the main superheroes, and it's probably just because I'm a younger sibling. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I really enjoyed all the characters. I sympathize with uh, trying to fill shoes yeah. um, like a lot of the characters do. <coughs> Overall, great, great show. Yeah, and hopefully we'll get our season three soon. Yeah. We definitely need that. Um. <laughs> I agree. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, my number four is Rick and Marty. Oh. And, yeah, th- this show, there's a lot of discussion of it online, and it's, like, a very geeky show and a lot of in-jokes. Sort of like Back to the Future, but if the old guy, I haven't actually seen Back to the Future, so I don't know any uh, of their names. Dr. Brown. Dr. Brown. Yeah. yeah. If he were an alcoholic, and if Marty were an idiot, and the, instead of traveling through time, they're traveling through dimensions, and it's hilarious. There's a lot of great sarcastic humor. and Very mature. Yes. Not for kids. Definitely not for kids. Not, not for kids. Not quite as mature as Archer, but it's, you know, and the interesting thing is that you'll see, like, these big concepts on the internet of, like, this is, like, defines Rick and Morty, but then you watch the actual show and it's in one episode. And so it's very good at, like, creating this mythology behind things that's so extensive and yet it all happens in one episode. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Yeah, I, I enjoy it. It's very well animated, well acted especially well written very clever jokes and humor um but of course it it does have a lot of inappropriate stuff in it and um it's not for a lot of people yeah very yeah there there's a lot of and there are certain episodes that are not as mature as others but if if you're into sci-fi and geeky stuff and you enjoy like science type stuff there's a lot of good discussions and a lot of good science involved and a lot of good comedy yeah alright okay Uh, my fourth is uh, Ruby uh, the Rooster Teeth original show which most would classify I think as a cartoon, though some argue that it's an anime. I would say they're wrong, but regardless, it's a good show. Uh, I think the story progression is especially good in the first three seasons. Yeah. The first season, not as well written, not as well animated, but it gets better as the seasons progress. Season three is really amazing. Um, Season four is still good. Story-wise, it's, I think, par, yeah. It's not above par like season three was um but most people who watch ruby watch it because it's just fun and silly and outrageous and i mean the main character's weapon is a sword or a scythe that turns into a gun yeah so just with that for me it was intriguing enough to to watch through um yeah, it the the story's pretty slow until um, season three. It really picks up, and then it slows down again for season four. Um, but that being said, I think 
the characters are really well written and well voice acted. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of good voice actors in it, um, and even um, some voice actors that are from Rooster Teeth, such as uh, Michael Jones, um, have appeared in uh, other anime partially due to, um, well, not just anime, but other shows partially due to the, su- the success of Ruby. So, I don't know. It's just a very fun show. Though it uh, has feels so. Definitely would recommend it. Yeah. Um, Tissue Box first, Volume 3. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so, my number three it would be uh, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Um, very fun show. If you guys are thinking, what? My Little Pony? Well... That's First off, you're on the wrong channel, but continue on, to listen. You're actually on the right channel. Oh, okay. Sorry, he's going to... Um, then explain. you're probably thinking about the earlier versions, of my, earlier versions of My Little Pony where, yeah, they are, they are really horrible. But this is a new version created by Lauren Faust, who created a lot of your childhood shows like, um, well, partly Ben 10, um... The Iron Giant, um, Foster's Home of Imaginary Friends, mm-hmm. and especially the Powerpuff Girls. She has done lots of involvement. She had a great hand at rebooting My Little Pony into a great direction. Um, the thing I love most about this um, show is the fandom itself. How, you know, that they really take all the lessons to heart. The show itself... Um, while it does have some childish moments, given that it's a show for little girls, um, it still has a lot of things, stories, um, lessons that would apply to us, and very, very fun stories. Especially in the fifth season, where things do kick up really good. Um, I don't have much experience with it, except a uh, few of my friends are considered... They would consider themselves bronies. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, I'll admit, I was a little bit weirded out by the fascination with a show that was geared towards little girls, yeah. mostly. But everything that I've heard about it um, seems to indicate that it has more to it than just being a show, and I can respect that. The only reason I haven't watched it is because I have a feeling that I might get addicted and... I'm ending that before it starts. So yes, so I I can agree with this sentiment. I know that if I would get into into something, that I know that probably wouldn't be good for me. Then I probably won't do it. That's that's my um, argument for anime. Mm. Um, if you are still skeptical and you have no interest to watch that, yeah, yeah, that's fine. You don't have to watch it. I do recommend it, but. If you think that bronies are a bunch of weirdos, I mean, define weird exactly. We're all weird here. Um, but yeah, I would recommend that you would watch documentaries on the fandom itself, and then see what you think about them. Yeah, don't don't judge it on the uh, the loud minority. I just yeah, I I think it's a whole subculture. Same with. Or it's a similar idea to furryism. Yeah, it's there are some weird people out there, but there's also some less weird people out there. Yeah. 
All right. Okay, my number three choice, and this is the only show that I have on here from my childhood, is Phineas and Ferb. Mm-hmm. And this is like one of the first TV shows that I actually watched and I actually wanted to watch more of. Before then, it was just something that was on TV. But Phineas and Ferb is it's interesting. A lot of people criticize it for being too repetitive. And it is very repetitive, but there's such like a charm to it. And that you always know how the episode is going to end. So it's what happens in the episode that becomes the focus. And there's just some really great humor. A lot of great pop culture references. And I sort of grew up with it. And as I was growing up, it got deeper. And there were even more references that I recognized. And yeah, it's really good. And there are just a lot of great quotes. And they show up in every episode. And you remember them. And... You get to know these characters and know who they are and their quirks and everything about them. And, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It won't, not a deep story. The episodes are usually 15 minutes long and it's very repetitive. But if you're looking for something fun to do, it's definitely, you know, something to check out. Yeah. For me, you know, when I first um, saw it, I really, really liked it. It was very funny, very clever how things were done. And also very creative about just two kids just being able to do amazing stuff. And I would, and I enjoyed it for a long while. I watched a bunch of it. But then it kind of started to become, like Matthew said, repetitive. Um, there wasn't really new that was going on. I mean, there wasn't anything really... Um, like, oh my goodness, yeah, they did this. Or fresh, I would say. Um, and so I kind of just got tired of it and grew out of it as it went on. And so, I mean, yeah, I know there's a good following for it, but I don't think it's really amazing. I think it's a fun time to just watch. It is. Oh, you can. Either way, go ahead. Um, it is, I think, very much worth checking out, and there's just, it is incredibly repetitive, and yet that's a core part of the show, is this idea of how can you make each day interesting, and that's what Phineas and Ferb are trying to do throughout the show. They aren't trying to make each day go a different direction, they're just trying to make it interesting, and I guess it's sort of the life lesson of a little bit making lemonade from lemons is, you know, maybe life is repetitive. Maybe you're doing the same thing every day, but that doesn't mean that you can't do it differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I was in the similar boat as, uh, as JPL here. Is that, I mean, I, I enjoyed it when it first came out, and I really jumped on the bandwagon when everybody else was enjoying it. But after a while, it was more something to watch if I had nothing else to watch. Um, not saying it's necessarily bad, but it, it did get repetitive, and um, I think that was about the time that I started to look for more um, in-depth, story-driven narratives. Um, Phineas and Ferb is a fun show, and it's one of those shows that's made for children, but not made to annoy parents. Like, it's definitely made with the parents in mind. Um which I think really works in its favor. It is funny. It 
just about every episode has at least one, if not more, uh, one-liners that just normally make you laugh for a good amount of time. Incredible um, music as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm always shocked at the uh, the effort that the writers put in for the music. Um, they do take a lot of tropes and kind of turn them on their heads, especially with the uh, the Doofenshmirtz, mm, Harry yeah, the Platypus yeah. side to it. Um, yeah, overall, it's a good show, but I can't say that I have gotten tired of it. Yeah, and also. Another reason why I kind of got really tired of it is because I got to a point watching it on TV that the channel just started to just play reruns yeah. and reruns oh, yeah. of the reruns over and over again. That's like nothing new. It's just the thing I already saw. It's like, oh, I can watch this again. But after seeing those episodes so many times and they're still showing it all the time and really nothing's changed then it's like yeah okay yeah okay Ooh. yeah and again super repetitive and after a while i mean definitely do not binge watch this if you binge watch it you will go insane yeah um but it's just so much fun watching these characters and you learn so much about them in very short amounts of time, and yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, and if if you're you start to get tired of the same story repeating, there are actually several. There are episodes that sort of break the model, and then there are also um, yeah. several movies. There's and those are really incredible. I love the Across the Second Dimension movie, and then there's also yeah. the Star Wars crossover, which did what Rogue One did, but before Rogue One, where it explained away all of the plot holes, but in a very Phineas and Ferb style, you know, like, Doofenshmirtz designed the Death Star to be a nutcracker. Okay. Alright, so, uh, my, my third on my list is probably the only really adult-themed one, um, but it's it's a parody series based on um, the anime Sword Art Online, uh, just called Sword Art Online Abridged or Sao Abridged for short. Mm-hmm. Um, it does what Sao um, tried to do, but it does it better. Uh, the whole thing is comedic, and is based around this one character who's pretty much a punk nerd in real life, but. He goes online and he realizes, wow, I'm amazing at this. And so he gets really, really cocky and um, basically is a sociopath for the whole time, realizing that he can do anything without any negative repercussions. Um, But as the story progresses, he humanizes more and more, which is something that I I really enjoy watching my characters do. Um, I just, I don't know, the whole series is both hilarious and more um, heartwarming than the original series. So I just, yeah. It, it definitely takes away from some of the action um, in that a lot of the action scenes either get cut short for comedic purposes or have less tension. Um, but overall, I think uh, 
the writers for it did a really good job. So. Yeah, there are some really good abridged shows out there. They, I mean, it's kind of strange because on the one hand, you know, copyrights and everything, and you want everyone to get the money they deserve. But on the other hand, they're just so much fun to watch that you don't want them to get taken down. Yeah. And they, they do often, like, they'll often take the story and just by making it more comedic, they improve on a lot of the flaws. Like, my favorite abridged is probably the Helsing Ultimate abridged. And I felt like the original show was a little bit too serious for being a show about Nazi vampires. So the abridged really takes that concept and runs with it and all of the comedic purposes it can have, while still also telling a story that's, I guess, not really impactful, but good. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. Not seen it. Alright, on to number two. Alright, my number two is a really is the oldest thing on my list, and it's Batman the Animated Series. Um, to many people, to a lot of people, this Batman series is considered the golden standard for a Batman show or Batman in general and I would agree for the most part um, it's very well done very fantastically beautifully animated um, has some of the best voices for Batman you can ever have Kevin Conroy and one of the best interpretations of the Joker Mark Hamill oh my goodness yeah. um, the storylines they're, they're they're they what just continue Nothing. Okay, I, I really enjoy their storylines. Um, they do take some storylines from the comics and uh, they put them in the animated fashions. Um, it, it's very well done. I, w I would definitely recommend it. Would, would. Also, it's very um, notable for creating Harley Quinn. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Character created for the animated series and then adapted into the comic books. Mm. Yeah, the the whole series is a classic. It's, I would say, easily the best Batman series, like cartoon at least. Probably, well, maybe even live action. Now that I think about it, it just I think it captures everything I know about Batman. Well, um, yeah, sets up a good character. Beautiful music. Beautiful music. Beautiful voice acting. Um, Some really good stories as well. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Like, without having even seen it, I know the stories just from reading the comic books. Like, especially, um, Mr. Freeze and his backstory. Oh, yes. It's something that's done so well in the show that it's actually become a major part of the Batman mythology. And it's very rare that you'll see a kid's TV show impact the comic books. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was... It, I mean, when I think of Batman that's that's the source material for me because while obviously batman originated in the comics um i characters really come to life when i can hear their voice um and the voice actors in batman animated series that's those are the the characters much like how i always see um robert downey jr as iron man now I'll, I will always see Mark Hamill as 
Joker. Yeah. So. Yep. Okay. My number two is um, the Netflix animated show BoJack Horseman. Mm. And it's kind of an interesting concept. It's about a horse who used to be the star of a sitcom and is now, years and years later, he's depressed and trying to fill the void in his heart. And he decides he's going to write a memoir. And he gets this ghostwriter and they start sort of exploring... And it's a comedy, but it works in... It's almost depressing. Just its humor is very self-deprecating, and it's very interesting because it simultaneously makes you, like, laugh out loud while also despair. And... But beyond that, it's just really interesting. You have the character of Bojack, who's this, like, narcissistic, self-obsessed person who has everything he could ever want, and yet... He's not happy, and then you have these other characters who are struggling through life, and yet they're so much happier than him, and he's really envious of them. And, yeah, it's just characters living life and experiencing that and getting into some hilarious situations. And, yeah, it's impactful. It's funny. Very well animated for being a lesser known animated show a lot of good running gags yeah um yeah i I really i really like the show when i saw it um i will say that um it does have like a weird animation style weird um storytelling to it but it it goes with the feeling with the tone of the show it works really well with that um also, uh, Will Arnett's voice for um, Bojack, really cool voice. And yeah, it's he was basically made to play Bojack. If you watch Lego Batman, Lego Batman is basically Bojack Horseman except as Batman, depressed. Well, more than narcissistic, self-obsessed. Yeah. But yeah, it's also another mature show. Don't watch with your kids, but you know it's really well made. Kind of depressing, but... And there's always an experimental episode that they have. Oh, yeah, season. you know, the LSD trip episode. and the No dialogue whatsoever. Yeah. You know, th- there's always, like, a fun thing that they'll try to do. And it, just, I, it also, the other interesting thing it does is it parodies Hollywood. Oh. So if you're a big fan of, like just Hollywood in general or movies you'll get a pretty big kick out of some of the things like that happen yeah like Quentin Tarantulino trying to make a rom-com and ending (laughs) up making a snack basket (laughs) and then the Hollywood sign is like you take away the D from the Hollywood sign and that's just a constant thing throughout the entire show now it's it's now Hollywood (laughs) yeah Uh, that's funny yeah. J.D. Salinger, author of Catcher in the Rye, comes back from retirement to make a game show. That type of just weirdest stuff going on, and yet these characters are reacting in a very realistic way to yeah. it. It's also funny when they mock some actors, and they have the actors yeah. actually play themselves being mocked. Yes, there is actually a tradition on the show of... They'll actually have, you know, like Gwyneth Paltrow, I believe, came in and actually voice acted. 
But then they'll get, like, Andrew Garfield, who didn't actually voice act. And whenever the character is not voice acted by the actor, they'll have something really bad happen to them. So Andrew Garfield ended up in the hospital with a bunch of broken bones. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, my second is Young Justice. We've already touched on this, but uh, basically it's everything that I've pretty much ever wanted out of a superhero show. Yeah. It's, again, it's based around the um, the sidekicks, which are characters that I can identify more with in that um, the main superheroes are good and all. Um, but, for instance, it's very, very hard to sympathize with a man who can only be taken down by a shiny green rock. Yeah. Um, it's very hard to sympathize with a lot of the adult things that um, each of those quote-unquote grown-up characters goes through. But when it comes to Young Justice, all the characters are young. Yeah. And they experience a lot of things that even though, obviously, I'm, I'm not a superhero and I don't have superpowers, I can be like, oh, yeah, I... I, I understand what that's like. I, I can I can sympathize with that. And, oh, that would be cool. Um, they have some... It just has some really good themes of family and um, morality and... It, I don't know. Yeah, it, it has the perfect animation style, yeah. I think. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a very similar animation style to... Um, well, I believe it... Was it done by uh, Man of Action? I don't remember, but it's a it's a similar animation style to, um, like Ben Ten. Um, it's kind of, it's got a similar animation style to uh, anime to some degree. Yeah. But it's got more animation than anime. So. Yeah, I, I like the whole uh, divide between those two. Yeah. The mix, like not fully anime, but not fully cartoon, just in between. Yeah. And. The, the animation for the superpowers really good um it the so the reason i have young justice on my list and not teen titans is mostly just because while teen titans did have some episodes that the story did cross over um young justice it was just about every episode yeah um and it wasn't afraid to change in that second season is a couple years later um, without very much explanation but we didn't need much explanation and I like how even though it's a story about kids it treats the watchers as more mature Yeah. Um, really good humor really good action um, just characters that you fall in love with yeah um, characters that fall in love yeah yeah. And all like even the romance is really fluid too. So just one of those shows that I I couldn't recommend more highly. Um and it does I think it does everything right that a superhero show should in that it has serious undertones but it doesn't take itself too seriously either. Yeah. Um, my honestly my only gripe is that the Joker isn't voiced by Mark Hamill. <laughs> yeah. That's my only problem with it. No, but they did one good job by hiring, like a, a well-known actor for him. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. 
Okay, so my number one um, is Star Wars The Clone Wars. Um, if you know me, then you know I'm a big person for Star Wars. I love Star Wars. It's one of the best things I could ever have. And um, The Clone Wars is probably one of my favorite parts of the Star Wars universe. Um, it's a very fantastic story. Well, in general, the era itself is great in general. Um, for the most part, the animation is probably the best you can get for a 3D animated show. Well, it does start off really choppy. Um, I like how better and better it gets where it just becomes cinematic and almost just put it up on a big screen and very well done. It feels like an artist um, working on it. And like even if you look at the designs, look at how things are animated, it just looks like someone like put the colors there with a paintbrush and it has kind of like a texture like that which I think is really cool um, it per it gives personality it humanizes the clones in general who really had no personality to begin with in the uh, prequel trilogy but here you have connections with them you like you get sad when they die because they're characters that you know and um, one Thing that they did do is create Ahsoka who when she first appeared she was a very controversial character especially with her being Anakin's apprentice but as she as the show went on she grew on you and her, she grew as a character and um, I just love how everything's well done and it's probably one of the best experiences for Star Wars you could have yeah and especially now that the uh, the whole canonicity of Star Wars has been rewritten, it is nice um, that I believe Clone Wars is yeah, yeah. canon in this. Um, so it's nice to have a full-fledged series that you can look back on and be like, okay, so this is what happened. Um, especially since all the expanded universe stuff is probably not going to be incorporated, at least not in the same way. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, of course, the invention of Ahsoka, she's becoming more and more a big character um, in just more recent books, too. Um, overall, it's, it's cool to see the characters. Um, I know a lot of people have complaints about the prequels. I think Clone Wars does a better job of showing off the characters. Yeah. Um, yeah, even though I haven't seen all that much of it, it's still a good show. Very. It's also very dark, especially in the later seasons. Yeah, and that's near something, the end. That's something, that's the main reason I haven't been able to get into Rebels, is that Clone Wars went to, like, these dark places where they were actually killing off... Realistic places. Yeah, it's like, you have Darth Maul's apprentice killing off one of the leaders of the world that you've seen in previous episodes. Hmm. And, and that scene is just sort of burned in the back of my mind. Because it's something that you don't usually think of a kid's show doing, and yet they did it, and by doing it, it sort of elevates it. And, yeah, I don't see Disney taking... I mean, they took a lot of risks with Rogue One, but I don't think they'll take that those risks in Rebels. Yeah. Well, Rebels, it does have a very lighter demeanor and, like, really aggravating storytelling. There are a couple moments where... They have a dark sequence, but 
the the main issue is that it's not consistent. It's like, okay, um, we're near the f we're we're at the finale now. Let's give it the best we got by not really giving the best we got. And so, you know, you have a couple dark moments, but it ends up being still really light, and helicopter lightsabers. Was that was that Clone Wars or Rebels? Rebels. Okay, yeah, I. That was one thing that uh, someone brought up, and just like. I was watching some things on YouTube, and I was like, I, I don't think that's... I mean, I know we're living in a fantasy world, but I don't think that's how physics work. Oh, okay, though. I mean, I was fine with having the blade spin to, yeah. like, having having it being difficult to fight them, but flying with a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. I, I do have to say, while we're on the subject of Rebels, that fight between Darth Maul and Obi-Wan Kenobi, I had heard it was anticlimactic. And so I decided I would watch the scene, you know, and there's just this, like, intense build-up. It's, it's, and it's like, I'm so excited. I can't wait for them to start fighting. And then it's like three seconds and it's over. Oh, yeah. And, oh. you know, in that one, that's, like, the yeah. very biggest controversial fight where it's either the worst fight or the best fight. And the reason why it's con considered the best fight is because the battle started before they even turn on their lightsabers where they have a bunch of psychological warfare right. with them staring at each other, changing their battle stances, you know, getting things hyped up. But for me, why I'm not a big fan of that fight scene is because they drag on the whole staring sequence for too long, I think. Um, well, I do think that they showed Obi-Wan's wisdom and skill perfectly with just him being able to defeat him instantaneously. But I feel like they kind of dragged that scene and hyped it up way too much. Yeah, and yeah. just dropped and it. And that, that's right where Clone Wars really succeeds, is it doesn't quite ever do that. It doesn't build up to these big, intense moments and then not deliver. It knows when it's going to be able to deliver and when it won't. So, you know, some episodes are Jar Jar saves the desert planet from the space pirates and some of the episodes are like these big epic space battles and it yeah it just knows what it wants to be and yeah as it goes along it gets darker and more sinister and yet it's still a lot of fun yeah yeah okay okay so my number one show we've already talked a little bit about this but it's Gravity Falls, and this show is just incredible. Um, I'm a big fan of the Lovecraft mythology, and if you observe Gravity Falls very closely, it's actually a very close adaptation of that genre, except made more for kids. But there's just such a complexity to the storytelling, and the characters are just so joyful, and it's a lot of fun. I mean... Sometimes it's episodic, sometimes there's a bigger overarching story that it connects to. But just watching as Dipper and Mabel solve these mysteries and then interact with their Grunkle Stan and with all the other characters in Gravity Falls. And it, it establishes its tone very well of being like mystery and a little bit sinister but never too much that it isn't fun. And I love. I also love the setting of Oregon and all of 
the pine trees all around them, the deep forests. Yeah. The Mystery Shack is hilarious to anyone who has ever been to a tourist trap. <laughs> it is very well animated. Yes. Very good story. It, yeah, the, yeah. The, for the animation style, it actually set pace for a lot of more recent animations. Um, so, good on it for that. It is one of those... We've talked a bit about maturity. Um, this is one of those that you don't necessarily want to watch with really young kids because the characters are not always the most honorable and you don't want your kids to emulate some of them. But also, it's, it's not inappropriate for kids. I mean, also, there's that questionable LSD moment. <laughs> Hilarious, questionable LSD moment. Whether, whether or not it was. We're pretty sure it is, but... They don't. It's, yeah, and you get, a lot of it stems from its characters, and something interesting that I heard is that what they would do is they would, they had, like, lists of characters, and they would take two characters from a list at random, and those would be the two characters that they would focus on in the episode, and they would have an interaction. And you can really tell that they're trying to explore these characters deeper, and how do they relate to each other. And so it leads to some really good interactions, and the characters are hilarious. To clarify a little bit earlier for the uh, younger viewers, when he's talking about Lovecraft, he's talking about the author H.P. Lovecraft, oh, not yeah. the Minecraft map. Oh. <laughs> or m mul probably multiple maps at this point. Yes. I don't really Lo know. Lovecraft, the author of Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. And I those... think that's, that's what he's most yeah. famously known for, but yeah, and he's got a lot. Yeah, to that is very much um, like the themes of these ancient deities that come down to destroy the earth, and it's prevalent in the show, and there are a lot of elements of that, but again, it never gets too serious, never too perilous, and the ending is incredible. It's one of my favorite endings to any show, just in that... It ties up everything so nice and neatly without being 100% satisfying. And, yeah, I mean, you really, when you're, the thing you want to do when you're done with the show is you want to start over again so that you can see everything and still be in that world. Yeah. But even after you finish the show, you can always, um, by the journal oh, where yes. they uh, continue some part of the story in there. Yes, uh, and the journal is very much worth the money. Yeah. I, I don't actually own it, it but... It's really cool. Yeah, it, I, I got it for my sister for her birthday a while ago, and she loves it, so... A lot of puzzles to so. solve. Yeah. It is, it is slightly difficult watching it after it aired because there are so many puzzles inside the show that if you look at, like, the fandom, they were actually, like, solving episodes and figuring out plot twists before they actually happened. Mm -hmm. And so some of the codes don't really work anymore, but there is still this sense of, like, a larger what's going on. Very conspiracy theory-ish. Mm -hmm. I mean, the main bad guy is shaped like a triangle and has one eye. <laughs> yeah. It, the the show will turn your kids into conspiracy theorists, <laughs> are you? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. All right. 
So, uh, my favorite animated show ever. Um, this wasn't really too hard to come up with, uh, but has been Avatar The Last Airbender. And I specify Avatar The Last Airbender um, over Legend of Korra because... An ending. The thing is, Legend of Korra did an okay job. But compared to um, Avatar The Last Airbender, it frankly, it was mediocre. And it took some really cheap routes. Um, and I realized a large part of that was um, they didn't have all the writers that they had for Avatar The Last Airbender. And part of that is also um, they weren't expecting to make this an entire show with multiple seasons. Um, so they were kind of coming up with content as they went. That being said, Avatar The Last Airbender... I like because it's set in a fantasy world based predominantly on Asian culture um, in which there are four different races of people and those races of people um, have each each race has the possibility to control or in this universe they call it bend um, one of the four elements um, being water earth fire or air um, and each culture is um, different, which is something that a lot of um, fantasy and sci-fi shows don't necessarily do too well. Um, but I do like the differences in the cultures and that um, the water tribe is more um, based on like uh, Eskimo culture. Uh, the Fire Nation has um, a lot of Chinese and Japanese influence. The The Earth Kingdom, I think, is mostly based on Chinese culture. Um, and then the Air Nomads are basically just a bunch of people who are... I, I For the most part, they're based off of um, religious uh, culture, both with Hinduism and um, Buddhism. Um, and the whole concept is that there's one um, person on earth at a time that can control all four elements and also can um, communicate with the spirit realm. Um, that being said, uh, he or she is the avatar, um, which the show is based off of. Um, but yeah, it's a fun story. Um, avatar The Last Airbender follows the storyline of Aang, who's the um, avatar, and... Um, a couple characters, um, Katara and Sokka, who are brothers from the Water Tribe, um, Toph, who's um, a blind earthbender, and uh, Zuko, especially, who's a uh, Fire Nation prince. Um, and in this series, the Fire Nation is uh, pretty much, uh, for the most part, uh, the bad guys, and they, have, they take some influence from... Um, Nazism as well, but overall, I what I like about it is it's so it's three seasons long, um, and although it's a show that's that was made for kids, I don't think there's any person that I wouldn't show it to, because on the one hand it has some really really good like childish fun moments, but on the other hand there's also parts that are really dark and really sad for instance there's um this isn't too much of a spoiler in that you find out in the first couple episodes but Aang 
um, has to deal with the genocide of his entire race um, early on. And that's super sad and depressing, but it's like, okay, wow. Um, they also don't go for any cheap routes. Like, they don't bring characters back from the dead. Um, once you're dead, you're dead. Um, they don't... This is something that a lot of, especially superhero shows do, is they overpower characters to the point where it's like, okay, you can lift the entire Earth now. What's the point? Um, they don't do that in um, Avatar, which works out really well. You can see the progression of Katara's waterbending abilities from only being sometimes able to lift a little bubble of water to stopping the rain in a certain area or um, like completely or freezing um, an entire lake things like that that it's a very natural flow um, the voice actors are really good um, for the most part I don't remember any of them by name except for Rizuko who's voice acted um, uh, by the same guy who played Rufio in Hook just a fun little factoid there um, <laughs> so yeah you can't go wrong with that I think overall, um, the storyline is just beautifully done. Um, I don't think it needed a continuation with Korra. I still like Korra as an additional piece, but I don't consider it as part of the canon um, in my mind just because it's so different from Avatar The Last Airbender um, that you almost have to consider it like a parallel universe with similar characters. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just think it's one of those that you can't go wrong with seeing it. The only downside to it is it is three seasons long. So it may, ta it may take some time to get through. And frankly, animation quality for Legend of Korra is much better for, than Avatar, um, especially the first couple seasons. But if you can get past that, it's phenomenal. Yeah. I've heard lots of good things from it. Uh, I've only seen a few episodes, but from those I can tell that the animation style is very good. Very, um, it's in between the whole anime and cartoon mm -hmm. style, which I, it's something I really like. Um, they do go to a lot of jokes that I feel seem very childish and kind of bug me. But that's just because I'm an old soul. Oh, another thing. Um, they made a live-action movie based off of it. Oh. That is not worth watching. It, no one um, remembers that one, no. People actively try to forget that one yeah. for reasons. It was probably Shyamalan's worst movie, though I haven't seen many of his others, so... They're all Can't really say, pretty. but... It, it's just not... It's not good. Like, he, he tried a lot of things with it, but he didn't really try to stick too close to the uh, um, to the original content, which uh, to me isn't necessarily that important of a thing, but at least he could have tried. I don't know. Yeah. I, I haven't seen any of the Avatar show. I've seen the movie and I was not a fan, but I have seen one and a half seasons of Legend of Korra. Mm -hmm. And just the concept alone is very unique and 
I know it isn't quite the same as Avatar, but from what I've heard, if Avatar is better than Legend of Korra, then it's pretty good. I, I will say, the, the first season of Legend of Korra was something I really, really enjoyed. It's just, they kind of went off the deep end after season two, and, yeah. uh, yeah. The, the big thing, um, the reviewer, um, by the name E. Colon R on YouTube puts it well, in that Avatar The Last Airbender fleshes out characters to be more than just, um, one thing. So, for instance, Sokka might be, um, the sarcastic guy that likes meat, um, but he's also the guy that had to defend his tribe alone, and he's going through his whole journey, whereas his, basically his counterpart in uh, Legend of Korra, Bolin, is a character that you like, but Bolin is pretty much only there for comedic purposes. He doesn't serve much in the way of the plot. Um... So, that's my comparison. I don't know. Yeah, just my my take on my favorite show. Alright. So, on to some of our honorable mentions. Um, uh, for me, honorable mention, uh, the main one I have is um, Teen Titans. It's, yeah. think Young Justice, but a bit more silly, childish. Yep. Um, it kind of goes into the whole relationship of kids or teenagers tweens as mm-hmm. they would say and it's a lot of fun although continuity for a lot of it's just like filler mm-hmm. oh let's have an adventure but then there are moments where they have a whole arc that they need yeah. to try and build up and those arcs are uh, really fantastic um, mm-hmm. also one of the best adaptations of um, Deathstroke I do believe yeah I, I- I would agree for that and also um, one of my favorite of Robin's costumes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So other shows I would um, rest, um, hold would be the 2003 Ninja Turtles, very well animated. Um, the Any Batman animated show, The Batman, The Brave and Bold. Um, stuff like that. Um, the animated st- uh, Spider-Man from the 90s. Yes. That was very cool. Um, and to some degree, Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, I don't watch very many animated shows, so I don't have very many honorable mentions, but I will bring up South Park, which it's a long-running show, very irreverent, and... You know, a lot of shows are trying to represent everyone equally. South Park tries to insult everyone equally. And sometimes it's hilarious, sometimes it's a little bit distasteful. But, you know, they, they have some really great jokes. If you enjoy people criticizing the most recent U.S. presidential elections, there's some great jokes about that. Yeah. Um, and then the other show that I kind of have to bring up, even though I'm not exactly sure if I like it or not, is Aeon Flux, which is an MTV animated show. It started out as a series of um, very short episodes that sort of came together and created a 12-minute long season. And then the second season was a bit longer episodes, and the first and second seasons actually don't have any dialogue. 
And it's really cool. They're based on um, sort of setting up a plot using something very small or seemingly just... Um, I can't think of the word. Something inconsequential. And then that thing becomes important. So, for example, the first season, someone, you know, drops a tack and you're like, okay... And then it ends with someone stepping on the tack, falling off a ledge, and dying. And so the the way it sets up and then pays off these things is really cool. But the animation style is just so grotesque. And you, it's not ugly, but at the same time it's not beautiful. And so you just end up with like this weird mix of like... It's just really strange. The characters move very grotesquely and yeah it's it's the type of show that you can't get out of your head because it's just so off the wall and hmm. it doesn't make sense and yet at the same time it makes enough sense that you're trying to figure out what's going on and yeah we're worth checking out very short um the third season i do think kind of fails a little bit in that the characters start talking and it loses a lot of the artistic credibility of having these silent shorts, but yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Another thing that I forgot to mention would be um, Star Wars Rebels. Um, to at least put it out there as something. That's fair. Um, okay, so my, my list is a lot of nostalgia. Oh. Like uh, Danny Phantom. Oh yeah. Uh, Codename Kid Next Door. Oh, Foster's yeah. Home for Imaginary Friends. These were things that I just grew up with. Um, I was very much a Cartoon Network kid. Awesome. Um, that being said, I loved loved the Justice League when I was a kid. It's probably mm. the, the reason why I prefer DC over Marvel for the most part. Yeah. Um, as JPL said, uh, Teen Titans, great show. Um, one that I got into more recently as I went through my whole, like, Tron phase, uh, was the Tron Uprising show. Um, I just think it's a really good animation style. It tackles more of the political side of Tron, whereas the, the movies tend to tackle the, uh, religious side, um, or a religious aspect. Um, yeah, and then, um, one that I was just thinking of. Oh, yeah, um, forgot, almost forgot to mention, uh, Generator Rex was one that mm. I've only seen a few episodes of, but the concept of it intrigued me. Um, and then the last one that I was going to mention, not for plot purposes or any sort of intelligible narrative, um, but I really, really enjoyed the, uh, or really was fascinated by the animation style of uh, Chowder. Uh-oh. But that's about it. Like, there's not much depth to Chowder. It's kind of just one of those things that you watch when you want to lose a couple brain cells. Oh, I will quickly bring up one show. I watched this a whole lot as a kid, so this is mostly memories of watching it. But I really love Winnie the Pooh. Oh, and I've actually yeah. I've reread a lot of the um, original stories, and they're just so charming. They they have that like. British charm of like you want to sit down with a cup of tea and just sort of enjoy the whole it transports you very well into this like 
fantasy world, but still grounded in reality. And, I mean, there isn't anything, the story isn't incredible, the nothing really stands out. It's just like this feeling yeah. of nostalgia and comfort and safety. And, yeah, just thinking back on those, I can remember that very much impacting me. And then rereading the books and looking at the illustrations, it's a very charming show. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I think that's all we have for this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, thank you guys for watching, and uh, we'll all see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.